right, well, that certainly is true. Wise men still seek Jesus, and we're uh, looking forward to doing that here this week um, and into the month of December. So, Lord, we do commit this next month to you. We look forward to studying your word, particularly as it pertains to your coming. And I pray that for any in here that need a confirmation of their faith, a sense of your presence in their lives, maybe a fresh dose of hope uh, or faith in their heart, I just pray that you would provide that to them as we open up the Bible today and as we enter into this season that, um, Lord, fills us with so much expectation and hope, not just about what we'll experience here this year, but knowing that your pathway for restoring the world and changing our own lives all began um, in that first Christmas moment. And Lord, we get to live in the truth of that today, in the light of that today. So help us as we now study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn in the Bible to Matthew chapter 2. And this is the narrative uh, surrounding the birth of Jesus when wise men or magi from the east came to worship him. And so we'll park on those magi for a little while um, and behold Jesus alongside them, hopefully by the time we get to Christmas Eve. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come out of you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So I was wondering what it might feel like to be one of these wise men. And by the way, there's no real indication of how many there were. I know on our Christmas cards and in our, in our cultural lore, I suppose there's three, and I think that's because there were three gifts that were given. But in all likelihood, if you were going to mount a caravan to cross over substantial portions of desert terrain, you would have a little more than three people uh, in the midst. So these wise men, dignitaries, scientists of their day, uh, probably they would have had some servants along for the ride and maybe, a, you know, camels and horses. You can almost imagine kind of like a tribe of people uh, heading off at their direction under their leadership to find this newborn king of the Jews. But what did they really have to work with in order to find the newborn king of the Jews? So if, if you and I were making this journey today, we'd probably start on Google 
And then we would plug an address into our phone and it would guide us turn by turn. Um, and we would, make, you know, if you're really thinking ahead, maybe pack an extra granola bar or something for the trip so you don't have to get quite as much drive-through food. And, you know, you, you arrive a few hours later and you find out what you're going to find out. But that's not how the world was back then. And so here they had to travel probably hundreds of kilometers, maybe more than a thousand, we'll look at that in just a minute, uh, to find Jesus. They didn't know what he would look like. They didn't precisely know where they were going. They were following a, a sign in the sky, so a, a star, but that, that gives you a direction and a heading. It doesn't exactly give you a precise location. Um, and they were basing all of this on prophecies that they had access to, but they weren't prophecies from their own home culture they were from somewhere else. And so there would have been some substantial steps of faith involved in making this journey at all, right? Can you imagine being one of those wise men trying to break the news to your wife? Honey, here's, here's my plan. Here's what I'm thinking we should do. Uh, let's cross the desert and find someone. Well, who are we going to find? Well, I'm not sure yet, but I read in this ancient book about a prophecy, and I saw a star, and I think we should go. Um, that might be a difficult conversation, right? Um, so I'm thinking, if you're going to plan an effective Christmas journey, and you're a wise man, what would you need? I think there's probably three goals that would be pretty important to work out as you're either before you go or as you're going. First of all, you've got to follow the right star. There's a lot of stars up there, and there's a lot of symbols, and there's a lot of prophecies. So better make sure you're on the right heading before you set sail. The second goal would be to find the right king. I mean, it'd be a shame to cross hill and mountain out there, and then find the wrong person uh, or never find the king at all, right? So you're going to have to find the right person to worship. And then when you get there, if you think about it, you're, if, if, if all the prophecies are true and you've made this huge journey, like you don't want to just sort of show up and say hello. Um, you're going to show up with something, right? Some sort of a gift or a game plan of how, how do you respond in the presence of this newborn king. So you need the right gift to be ready to present. So here's our plan. We're going to go through this um, in the next three weeks here, the night, throughout the month of December, and we're going to plan our own Christmas journey the same way. So today we're going to talk about what star we follow, how we know we're pointing in the right direction, and then next week we'll talk about how do we know we're bowing down before the right king. Uh, then we'll have our musical, we'll have some fun with that, and then on Christmas Eve morning we'll talk about how we present the right gift before Jesus. And that's not going to be a physical gift or a money gift or something that we would have. That's the, that, that has to do with our heart, our attitude, our commitment. How, how do we step into the presence of Jesus and present the right thing to him? Okay, so that's our plan for this Christmas month. I'm really looking forward to journeying along with you. And uh, maybe we'll be those wise men who still seek him. Okay, so let's talk about goal number one, follow the star. Here's the verse, verse two specifically. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, if you were one of those wise men and you had just made this potentially perilous journey uh, across the wilderness to get here, you're kind of thinking this is a big deal, not just to you, but to the, the people who actually the king is for, right? So you think, wow, if I'm going to go to the Jewish lands and I'm going to go to their capital city and sit down with their leadership, you're expecting that these people are all kind of in the know. Um, the king has been born. The, this is big news. And if the prophets had foretold it and the prophecies were known off in the eastern lands, then certainly the people where all this originated would know. But notice they didn't know. So as, as this whole entourage arrives in Jerusalem, it's, it's a pretty big deal. You know, it's these, the, 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 in the ancient world to have a whole caravan of people that 
from a distant land and obviously people of wealth and circumstance. And that would have, would have been a big, big deal. The only mental image I have, which probably isn't a very good one, is when um, Aladdin walks into town with the, the genie making all that. I don't think it's probably quite that glorious, you know, but, but you can imagine like people, it got people's attention. And so King Herod, uh, King Herod shows up and says, wait, tell me what you're talking about. And he hurriedly calls his scholars together and says, guys, yeah, I do remember there was a prophecy about a Messiah. Where's that supposed to happen again? I mean, they were not paying attention at all. And uh, it's kind of a shame that wise men from eastern lands knew all about all this, and the people who should have been expectantly waiting had to get their act together at the last minute there, um, and really had selfish motives throughout the whole narrative. And as, as we learn in the Bible, King Herod was a terrible guy, and none of what he did was coming out of a good heart. Uh, but he did ask. He said, well, let's, let's meet with the wise men and try to figure out where the Messiah is. And in Herod's mind, he was thinking, this guy must be a threat. I need to find out where this newborn king is and get rid of him. And Herod did try to do that uh, and did not succeed. Okay, so a couple notes about the context of what's going on. First of all, the wise men in this era uh, were known as magi. So in some of our Bible translations, you'll see that word there. Uh, that, that is a word that has to become a magician or astrologer that was mixed up with what it meant to be a wise man or a scientist back in those days. And so it was sort of the brain trust. It was all the accumulated wisdom of the era. These would be the people who were the, they were, they were studying. They were men of great learning. And so they were the people you would trust for information, right? They were the experts. Probably they originated their journey in either Babylon or Persia. Now, we just read everything the Bible says about the wise men, and it doesn't tell us what eastern land they came from. So if you look on a map, you could say, well, I mean, eastern land could be China, could be India. Um, probably it was either Persia or Babylon, which would be modern-day Iran or modern-day Iraq. The reason for that probability is that the prophecies that these guys were studying had to come from somewhere and if you look throughout the historical narrative, where would the Jewish prophecies end up and how would people in the East know about them? Uh, there's pretty compelling evidence that people both in the capital areas of Babylon and then later in Persia would have had a lot of access to Jewish religious principles and even the Jewish scrolls and the, the law because both of those empires at one time or another controlled the, the Jewish area, the Jewish people. Um, in fact, if you look back to the book of Daniel, which we studied early this year, uh, you'll note that Daniel was a captive from Judah who got ported off to Babylon, and there he made such an impact with the wisdom God gave him that he ended up being in charge of the magicians and astrologers and the political apparatus of Babylon. And so that whole culture, Daniel had, a, had an opportunity to insert into that culture the expectation of the Jewish Messiah someday. Okay, then later in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, the Persian Empire takes over the Babylonian Empire. And remember what happened to Daniel? He gets elevated in that empire as well and becomes one of the leading figures there. And so here again, uh, you have someone in the history of the Jewish people able to bring the prophecies and the truths of, the, the, of Moses' law and all the prophets into these cultures. So it doesn't mean those cultures bought into it. It doesn't mean those people were all Christians over there. Uh, but they did have the records of what, of what the Jewish people believed, and they probably respected the history that Daniel had left behind and the influence that he'd had on the development of both of those civilizations. So, go forward a few centuries, and now you have these wise men studying, uh, realizing that some of the prophecies that have been handed down to them 
seem to be coming to pass, and somehow that's tied in with a, with a, s- a sign in the sky. I don't claim to understand how that works, but the, the reality is whatever did happen there and however they followed that star, it did actually lead them to the Messiah, so it was a real sign, right? Okay, so on this journey of faith, they step out. They've got no pictures of what they're looking for, no ability to call ahead and kind of verify this is all real, um, no specific details, no names or descriptions, months of perilous travel. Okay, so if you, if you plot out the likely route of where the wise men had to start from and end up at, uh, probably looks something like this. Okay, this would be if they came from the region that was Babylon and went to Jerusalem. See, that's 1,100 plus kilometers. Um, now, you, you've seen this area of the world in the news quite a bit over the last, I don't know, 6,000 years or something, right? Uh, it's always in the news. Is this an easy area to travel around in? Like paved sidewalks and good police protection the whole way? Lots of Starbucks? To, no, this is not that kind of an area. Um, if, you, if you walk that road, uh, you're in the middle of the desert. Uh, there's not a lot of water. There's a whole lot of unrest. There's all sorts of uh, thievery, and there's uh, plenty of threat. And so you could imagine being a wise man did not mean that you were just kind of like a soft ivory tower guy. Like these had to be pretty tough people to be able to take on a journey and probably mount, you know, significant need for self-defense and finding resources along the way and going through large stretches of desert carrying heavy things. And I mean, this is, these are pretty tough people, uh, but they make it. And uh, if, if they came from Persia, by the way, that would be further east than what's represented on this map. So you know, whatever, add another 50% of the journey if they were coming from Persia, and that's even, even that much longer. So in all likelihood, months of travel, a lot of risk, a lot of expense, all for this hope, all for this faith that at the end of the journey, they would find the Messiah, the King of the Jews, and they came with the purpose of worshiping him, which I think, again, is interesting because this isn't something that baked in their home culture that they would have been expecting. This is like they were... They were having some faith in the Jewish culture and in what God's law had said, um, even though they were pretty far removed from it. So goal one, they've got to follow the right star. And I noticed that they studied the right truths and they sought the right answers. For me, when I'm studying something, uh, I don't know if you're this way, I kind of assume we all share a little bit of this, I have a little bit more fun studying things that that I already agree with. Right? So if you find a great book or a cool podcast or um, you, you know, maybe you show up at a church and you see a preacher and, and everything the person is saying is what you already think, that's pretty easy to shout an amen and feel pretty good about it, right? You say, yeah, I want to hear more from this person. Um, those are the truths we're familiar with. It takes a lot more courage, sometimes just guts, sometimes it takes a lot of discomfort to, to learn from people that you don't agree with or that are not familiar to you. And so if you step into a different world, a different, different type of community, and now you've got to learn from those people, that, that takes some humility in your heart. I think, wow, these wise men, uh, they, were, they were willing to seek the right truths, even though this wouldn't have been that familiar. Like they were having to go way out on a limb um, and travel pretty far from their home, not just their home territory, but their home ideas, right? Um, and then the right answers, instead of just the comfortable ones, wouldn't it be easier for these wise men if they found some sort of great religious principle that just said, stay where you are, you don't have to change, you don't have to move, you can just sort of believe something and everything will be great. That would have been a lot easier, it would be more comfortable. 
Uh, but no, as they were reckoning with the fact that physically the Messiah was being born, and there he is, he's going to be over by Jerusalem, they decided they needed to move, they needed to change. They had to actually put something on the line and start walking. Think, wow, that, that takes faith, right? So as we think about our journey toward Jesus, we recognize we need to have an open mind, that the fact that the truth could be different than what we grew up hearing, the truth could be different than what we naturally assume because of the culture that we're used to. Um, we, we just come with open hands and we say, Lord, I, I want to know what's real, not just what's comfortable for me. Uh, it, it also could mean that we have to s- take some steps forward out of our comfort zone and that it would be easy if somehow it was all just academic or it was just, wow, just, just you know, accept these wonderful truths filled with hope and move on with your life. But what if encountering the Messiah is going to require you to change something or to move somehow. It certainly did for the wise men. So um, a couple questions before we go to our next Bible text. Um, One is on your journey, what are you following as you make your way toward Jesus? The wise men had the benefit of they, they had a star that was actually leading them in the right direction, and they had prophecies to go by that said, hey, go that way. So they, they had a direction set by that star and those prophecies. Think, in my walk toward the Lord, what am I following? Am I studiously opening up the Bible to say, well, that's the, I'm following Jesus that way? Or am I am meeting with people who also follow Jesus and they tell me about the road that you've walked so I can learn from you? There has to be a path of how, how do I know what direction to go? Kind of leads to the second one, which would be, who are you following? You know, the wise men, they were following the, the prophets. They, were, they might have been following Daniel and the words he left to them. Um, they, they had a sense of, like, there was a testimony of, of faith that had been handed down that led them to believe that the Jewish king that was to be born was an important figure for them to think about. So maybe, maybe there's some testimonies in your lineage somewhere where you go, you know what, here's what my... My parents believed in this, or I, I grew up kn- knowing these truths, and there's, there's something that's kind of anchoring you and giving you a sense of who you're tracking after as you pursue the Messiah, right? And what, what are you expecting to find when you arrive wherever you're going? So to start filling in a little bit of those blinks, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 1, and this is where we'll land today um, in, in essence, introducing our discussion about which king we should give our worship to. John 1 in the Bible sets up our understanding of who Jesus is and where he came from, what he wants us to do. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word, capital W here, is not talking about like the physical Bible, it's actually talking about Jesus, the truth of God. So the Word, it says in verse 2, existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about this light so that everyone might believe in his testimony, or because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right 
to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word, Jesus, became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who's far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So there, Jesus himself um, is the one who shows us the way. Jesus is the way to God, but Jesus also came to reveal the way, to show us how it is that we would come uh, to God. So I think about this path that we're on, saying, well, if, if this is true of Jesus, if he really is the Messiah, if he really is not just the king of the Jews, but actually the one who would save all of us, how do I seek him? How do I, how do I get to know him? How, do I, how am I sure that I'm right in the way I'm doing that? So a lot of you know my own personal story of how I became a Christian. Um, my family, when I was very young, um, had a lot of dysfunction. There, my mom would take my sister and I to church, but uh, my dad was into the drug scene, and there was all sorts of anger and um, alcoholism and just a whole list of difficult things that we walked through in that time. And when I was 11, my dad gave his heart to Christ and everything changed about our family. So in that moment, it was like I had a living testimony in my household of how powerful God was and how he could change even the most difficult of people. Okay, so I, in that moment, I thought, well, now I know God is real because I'm watching how much he's changing my dad. And, and so that faith animated me to seek after the Lord and to follow Jesus. And so I joined everything I could in the church community we were in, and I was you know, learning the Bible as much as I could and trying to be a witness to people and sharing pe with people about the power of God and, uh, and had a lot of confidence that I was right in that thinking, right? Because I'd seen it. I'd seen something very personal. Um, but as I turned 18 and 19 and started to just have a different type of thinking in my life, I did come into the spot where I think a lot of people do as they, if they grow up in church, is you kind of get to a place where you say, okay, I, I know that I've said I believe all these things, but am I sure that I believe all these things? Are this, is this actually, do I actually know that I'm on the right road? Um, you know, you, you just start realizing the world's bigger than just your own circles. You think, well, there's a lot of people out there that don't believe in any of this. And are, am I crazy or are they crazy? Or uh, have I missed something? And so that set me on a journey of seeking for answers, um, which was interesting because for me, I didn't have a moment when I left the faith. Some people have a moment where they have a question they can't answer and they just give up and then they, they have to make their way back somehow. Uh, for me, I was actually actively serving the Lord in a variety of different ways. And sometimes I would be the one that was actually trying to convince someone else to become a Christian. But then at the same time, I would be thinking, well, there's questions I don't have the answers to. Like I have this puzzle and a lot of the pieces fit. And I know there's reality behind all of this because I know what happened personally in my family. But then there are still pieces, there's still questions I can't quite answer. 
about faith and philosophy and you know, comparative religions and things like that. And so went through a period of time just really questioning, really wondering. And here's what I came to as uh, a younger guy and what, something that really has sustained my faith, even, even though there's still puzzle pieces I don't quite have all put together. Um, and that is that faith is actually a step. Okay? When the wise men went forward, they had confidence in the prophecies and the promises, but they, they didn't see what was going to happen until they got there, right? So they had to take a step that felt like they were out on a limb, that felt like, I, don't, I can't answer every question, but I know I'm supposed to move this way. And they did. And that seeking, that faith-filled walk uh, is what we're all called into. So for me, I, I started making peace with the idea that um, even though there are lots of different questions that you know, we could sit down and have a great discussion on, but at the end of it, we go, you know, I'm not sure I know the answer, or I'm not sure anybody could even know the answer. When you, when you get to those spots in your seeking of the Lord, you realize that you are taking a step of faith a little bit past what you'll be able to see or logically put everything together, right? So I think we should have informed faith, like we shouldn't just be blind about it and go, I just believe and I don't know anything. No, we know all we can, but when we run into the things we can't know, uh, we say, okay, Lord, I'm choosing to trust you, and here's the basis for that. And this has given me a lot of comfort and even confidence over the years. I know that God cares for me. I know God loves me. I know God loves you. And I know that God's heart for you is that you would find him. Okay? So maybe that's a faith step too, but I, I really do honestly believe that. So, so then I would say, well, if, if that's what I believe about God, then I would believe that if I have an open heart to truly seek him, that he will help me find the way, right? There, there will be a star somehow that will guide me in the right direction. Um, now, if I have pride in my heart or resistance or I have like certain prejudices or something, it's got to be my way or it's got to be look this certain way or else I dismiss it, yeah, I might miss it completely. But if my heart is actually open, then, then God who cares about me is going to guide me in the right way. And that's really what I think the wise men had to put their faith in. They started walking forward on this journey. What did they really have to hold on to? Ancient prophecies to inform their faith but then a belief that if they actually found the king of the Jews, that that would mean something to them, that there's actually some purpose there. I think, okay, so there we are. We're standing with the same tension, going, all right, I've got the prophecies. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot of testimonies. There's a lot of people around us that might say, yeah, here's what Jesus has done for me. I can tell you he's real. And, and then there's a lot of things we can read that would you know, maybe convincing arguments to help us understand the reality of what the Bible says. Uh, but still... You have to venture forward with faith. You say, okay, Lord, that faith is not in my knowledge. That faith is actually in your love. You love me enough to guide me. And that's the star I want to follow. So, Lord, I, I trust you. I'm willing to change my opinions. If, like, if I encounter something that disrupts what I always thought was normal or true, okay. I'd really rather know the truth. I don't want to stay comfortable. I want to actually be on the right road. I want to meet the Messiah. Right? So as we start venturing forward toward Jesus um, this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to start with an open heart toward God. Just say, Lord, what do you want to teach me this Christmas? Uh, how do you want me to encounter you in a fresh way this Christmas? What do you want me to learn as I study the Bible? What do you want me to learn as I interact with other people? And I believe God will reward your seeking with some finding. All right, let's pray and ask for his help as we do that. 
Uh, Jesus, we're grateful that we can reach out to you in prayer. We're grateful that um, you have not left us without evidences and testimonies of your power and your presence and, um, well, everything spanning all the way back to the moments we're talking about when you came to this world as our Savior. We know we have more to learn about that, but for all of us today, I pray that you'd give us the faith in our heart to take a step forward, a step of trust in you to guide us. And then, Lord, based on that openness of heart, we want to learn all we can about you, about your word, about what the prophecies say that you'll do, and about what you actually did. Lord, we have such a benefit, more than those wise men did, because we get to read the whole story at one time in the Bibles that are in front of us. And so I, I pray that you would give us the right perspective as we approach all that truth and help us to be ready to make some motion, uh, to move out of what's familiar to us and into the place you want us to go. Thank you for this Christmas season. I know that for a lot of my brothers and sisters in the room, this month represents some extra stress, extra complexity, maybe extra relational challenges in their lives, um, certainly extra things to do and more festivities than normal. So as we head into all of this, Lord, would you help us in our hearts to see you in a fresh way, that we wouldn't get all the way to the end of this month and just check off all the boxes and keep moving without actually being able to pause and kneel down next to that manger and worship you, the king, um, around which this whole holiday is built to celebrate. We look forward to doing that together as a church and then personally as individuals and families. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. We'll see you next week.